Isaiah chapter number 7. <clears throat> Let's read verse number 1 in Isaiah chapter 7. And uh, read down to verse number 9 to get us started here. But Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 1 says, And it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the king of Ramalia, king of Israel, went up toward Jerusalem to war against it, but could not prevail against it. And it was told the house of David, saying, Syria is confederate with Ephraim. And his heart was moved, and the heart of the people, as the trees of the wood are moved with the wind. Then said the Lord unto Isaiah, Go forth now to meet Ahaz, thou and Searjashub, thy son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool in the highway of the fuller's field. And say unto him, Take heed, be quiet. Fear not, neither be faint-hearted for the two tails of these smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of reason this, uh, with Syria, and of the son of Remelia, because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Remelia have taken evil counsel against thee, saying, Let us go up against Judah and vex it, and let us make a breach therein for us, and set a king in the midst of it, even the son of Tebiel. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall not stand. Neither shall it come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Raisin. And within threescore and five years shall Ephraim be broken, that it be not a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Remalias, uh, son. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. I do pray that, Lord, you just uh, help us, Lord, today and just give us your understanding and your wisdom. And, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for, Lord, your word that always speaks to us. And, Lord, again, I pray if there's anyone here today that doesn't know they're going to heaven, that today would be the day of their salvation. I pray that, Lord, they would, Lord, choose today to receive you. I pray that, Lord, you'd speak to all of our hearts today. And, Lord, be with Junior Church as they're preaching right now the gospel. And I pray that, Lord, the kids would listen and God speak to their hearts. And, Father, now we love you, and let's be with our service. In your name I pray, amen. Now, obviously, you read that passage, you're like, what are we reading, right? Um, especially today, as we're looking, getting closer a week today from Christmas. Why this passage of Scripture? Well, stay with me, all right? Hang with me on this. Let me give you the story of what we just read. Uh, Israel, or Ephraim, as it's called here, uh, in Syria, the country of Syria, they had joined forces, and they were on their way down and had besieged the city of Jerusalem. They were going to, they were moving in closer and closer to conquer the city of Jerusalem. The king of Jerusalem and of all of Judah uh, during that time was Ahaz. Now, Ahaz was not a good king. Uh, Ahaz, I preached a sermon years ago called Ahaz Has a Problem, all right? Uh, but Ahaz, uh, he, his issue was this, that uh, he had gone and visited uh, Damascus. And when he came back from visiting Damascus, he said, I love the way they're worshiping. 
And he rearranged everything in the temple and put different altars and, and turned all the direction where they should have been facing one direction. Now they're facing another. He lowered the, you had to used to go up steps to get up to the brazen altar because God is worthy of worship and we don't bring God down to our level. We go to his, right? Uh, but Ahaz removed the steps, brought it down to man's level. He brought in idolatry. He brought in sin. And, uh, and Judah and Jerusalem was not a God-fearing place. Y'all follow me, all right? And Syria and Israel, that's the northern part, uh, on, on the north of the, all of Israel had a, a civil war, and the northern part was called Israel, and the south part, Judah. So Israel said, this is it. Now we got an opportunity. Jerusalem's weak. And so they joined with Syria and said, we're coming down to attack. And the news got to King Ahaz, and he knows he doesn't have the manpower to stand against these two kingdoms. They're doomed. They're going to be destroyed. And he's lost hope. And that's when God tells Isaiah to go and speak to Ahaz. That's where we see in verse number three, if you want to glance down at it. All right, it says, Then said the Lord unto Isaiah, Go forth now to meet Ahaz. And the Lord tells Isaiah, Now go talk to King Ahaz. Take your son with you. And uh, his son's name was Shear Jash Jashub, all right? Um, I don't know if I said it right, but neither do you. Uh, but uh, that was his son, all right? And uh, he said, take his son, which, by the way, all of Isaiah's sons, and it would be an interesting study, maybe sometime we'll do it, but all of his sons um, God used for a very specific purpose. If you want to glance at the next page on chapter 8 and verse number 18, uh, just to give you, and we'll go right back. But it says, Behold, Isaiah says, Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts. All right? So all of his sons were given specific names from God to because they all stood for something, all right? Uh, and they symbolized something there, all right? There you go, all right? Uh, but they, uh, they had that, all right? And so they, they were going to be used in this way. And so uh, he takes his son with him, who's just a, a baby. And uh, we know that because part of the prophecy in this chapter is that all of this will be over before this child uh, knows the difference between right and wrong, all right? In other words three, four, or five years old, they, they, the time frame was, judgment was coming. But Ahaz is scared. And Isaiah is sent with a, with a message. And here's the message that God sent to Ahaz, is that you can be delivered. I know it looks terrible. I know it looks hopeless. But I will be merciful to you if you'll believe. And that's the same message that he sends to us today, amen? God is so merciful. We do not deserve him. We do not deserve to have hope. We do not deserve to have heaven. But all of that and so much more is ours if we believe. Well, Ahaz was given this message, and Ahaz had a choice. And I want to look at this real quick this morning. Stay with me. Are you all focused? All right, because you got to stay focused. All right. So first of all, I just want to see three things, and we're going to circle back around and look at the same three things. But number one, I want you to see there was great dread. There was great dread. Uh, in verses 1 and 2, they get the message. The dread is this, that there is an opposition. There is an enemy. The enemy in this story was Syria and Israel, or Ephraim. 
There was an enemy, there was an opposition, and the enemy was strong. The enemy was powerful. The enemy was more than Ahaz could handle, more than Jerusalem and Judah could handle. The enemy was strong. There was an opposition, but they had been given an opportunity. At the end of verse number one, it says there that the Syria and Remelia, the king of Israel, they went up towards Jerusalem to war against it, but could not prevail against it. They had been trying to take it, but so far they had been unsuccessful. Now, Ahaz didn't have the manpower to hold them off. Ahaz didn't have the armies to conquer them. So there was some sort of intervening going on here that was keeping uh, the, the uh, Israel and Syria from overcoming Jerusalem. So far, they had not been able to prevail against it. Now, Ahaz himself knew he didn't have a chance. Ahaz knew he didn't have the power. Matter of fact, if you study uh, back in, in, in uh, the book of Kings, you'll find that Ahaz had even reached out to the Assyrians and tried to make a league with them saying, hey, if they attack, will you please, we'll pay you, come, all right? And that was one of Ahaz's great problems. Instead of turning to God, he turned to the world for help, all right? But he knew, and so far, Syria, or Syria hadn't showed up, all right? Uh, so he knew he was in trouble. He knew there was opposition, but for some reason, I don't, we don't have the details here, but God had held them back. And they were given some time. But the knowledge of them coming and the realization that they could not stop them brought, there was opposition, there was an opportunity, but there was also an oppression. And in verse number two, you see uh, at the end of verse number two, it says, and his heart was moved and the heart of his people as the trees of the wood are moved with the wind. In other words, as you can picture the wind blowing strongly through the, through the trees and the trees begin to bow down, all right, they begin to stoop over. Uh, we've all seen strong windstorms like that, all right? And the trees begin to bend over. Uh, and uh, that's a, a kind of the same illustration that the Lord spoke to Nicodemus about. The Spirit is as a wind that bloweth where it listeth, all right? And, uh, and these people, they had heard the news and they were like these trees. They were, oh, they knew they were done. They knew they had no hope. Uh, there was sorrow. They, they had lost spirit. The people had given up. There was great dread. But in verse 3 through 9, you see there's a great desire. God wanted to intervene because he's a merciful God. His desire was this, number 1 and verse number 4, that they would be still. He said to him, take heed and be quiet. Fear not, neither be faint-hearted for the two tails of these smoking firebrands. In other words, the Lord said, they're all people were panicking and running around. Ah! And the Lord said, stop. Be still. He said, shh, quit talking. Sometimes when life gets rough, we just... We talk about our problems, but we never stop to ask God what to do about them, right? And that's what Jerusalem is doing. He says, shh, stop. I've had to do that. Sometimes they, when the kids at school and they're, you know, something's going on, they come in, they're like, ah, but he did, but she, but they're like, shh, stop, stop. Be quiet. It's amazing when we stop and think how things settle themselves, right? And the Lord said, stop, be still. And the Lord gave them some counsel there from Isaiah 
when he said to be still, he said, now you need to listen. That's what he said there in verse number four, be quiet, listen. You need to lean on me, fear not, neither be faint-hearted. And, and learn something here for the two tails of these smoking firebrands the fierce anger of reason in Syria and the son of Remelia, you don't need to be faint-hearted for them. And he called them two tails of a firebrand. In other words, the idea here is that they were sticks that were burning, right? They're at the tail end of burning. Uh, eventually, if I lit a match and I held it here, I wouldn't hold it for 10 minutes. You all understand why? That's the tail of a firebrand. It's burning, 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 and pretty soon I'd be like, yeah, right? Because the stick will be gone. You know, um, their, their time of judgment was coming. I remember one time me and Crystal wanted to impress my mom and dad. We cleaned the house. We made it spick and span. And they were come, we knew what time they were coming home. And we went to light candles because we wanted the house to smell awesome. And back then, all you had was matches. I know. We're getting old, aren't we? All right? But that's all we had was matches. We didn't have those fancy. Well, number one, my dad didn't carry a cigarette lighter. Right? Uh, but, uh, but, you know, and, and that's all we had was matches. We didn't have our fancy cool stuff. They're like, I love those things. I like the torches. Right? And, uh, but we didn't have that. So we lit one match. We lit the candle. We had three more candles. We're like, ah, what are we going to do? I was like, that's easy. All right? Uh, and I went and got some toilet paper, and I wadded it up, and I lit one candle. That thing was just like, I'm gone. I was like, ah, and it, it went down on the ground and burned a hole in the carpet that big. We pulled the rug over it, thinking they'll never notice that the front door rug is in the middle of the living room, right? <laughs> they did notice. I couldn't believe it, all right? And got in trouble, all right? Uh, but, um, but, you know, that, that's, what I, that's the idea here, that these two nations are like these smoking firebrands. Their time's almost up. He said, don't worry about them. They're an enemy, but they're already defeated. Don't worry about them. Be still. And then back in verse number three, the message, this desire was represented not just in a stillness, or, but also a son. In verse number three, God told Isaiah to take his toddler, if not infant baby with him, Shir Jashub, and to talk to Ahaz. Now that's kind of interesting. I mean, you don't find that a lot. You don't see every prophet in the Bible, God saying, hey, go speak to the king. You know, can you imagine Elijah? Go on top of Mount Carmel, but make sure you take that infant boy of yours, right? No, there is a purpose here. Because the name of his son, Shirjashib, means this, a remnant will be. In other words, and all of his children were used for signs and wonders, Right? And he went and he brought this child to, as another message to Ahaz. This isn't the end. There's still a future. You're going to survive this. But what was needed in verse number three was a complete surrender by Ahaz. Listen to me. Ahaz had to quit trying to figure out a way to do it in his own might. And he needed to turn to God. Verse number three, it says there, take Shir, Shir Jashub, thy son, 
and you're going to meet Ahab at the end of the conduit of the upper pool in the highway of the fuller's field. Now, you may just read that like I would and be like, okay, he's meeting him at the, at the water there. But there's a reason Ahaz was there. When anyone would besiege the city of Jerusalem, which later Nebuchadnezzar would do, but what they would do is they would go to this place, the well that fed the spring, the stream that fed Jerusalem its water. Without that water, Jerusalem has no hope. I mean, because they would besiege the city. You don't have water. You can't live. And, and so they were finding a way, which later on, a different king would take when they were going to be besieged. And he built underground uh, conduits that fed the city of Jerusalem. And uh, that's why the kings couldn't figure out the enemies, why they kept having water. But they, they rerouted it. Ahaz is at that place. And Ahaz is at this pool at the conduit that fed the city of Jerusalem. And he's there for this purpose. He's, uh, he's, he's trying to figure out what can we do. Because when they come, they're going to cut off our water supply. We're all going to, they're going to, they're going to starve us out. So they're out there trying to figure out what to do to survive. Everybody follow me? That's where Isaiah sent the talk to Ahaz. Because Ahaz would have to come to a point where it's to say this, I can't fix this. But God can. And that was God's desire. So you have this great dread and this great desire that Ahaz would see this and surrender to the Lord. A great dread, a great desire. So it came down to, thirdly, a great decision. What is he going to do now? In verse number 9, uh, it says there at the end of verse number 9, look at that real quick, it says, now this is, he tells them all about these firebrands, they're not going to last. Here's what you got to do. And in verse number 9, if ye will not believe... Surely ye shall not be established. It all comes down to this, Ahaz. Do you believe? Do you believe what I've told you is true? That God's going to do this and God will deliver you. Do you believe this? You see, they had to make he had to make a choice. Ahaz would have to make a choice because Ahaz had been trusting in all of his false gods. He had changed the way they worshipped. He had all kinds of idolatry. And guess where all of those gods and all that stuff he brought in left him? At the point of death and destruction. But now he's got an opportunity to return and to, to surrender to God and let God work. And, and, and Isaiah says, if you believe, you'll be established. But if you do not believe, there's destruction. So there is a, a choice or a selection here he can make. He can choose what he wants. And then he offers a sign to be given in verse number 10. Moreover, the Lord spake unto Ahaz, saying, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. So Isaiah then is told by the Lord, I right, share this with him, Ahaz, I know you're struggling here. Ask for a sign. Ask me for a sign. If you want the sign to be in the ground, I'll open up the ground. I'll, I'll make the earth shake. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a sign. If you want a sign above, I'll, I'll, I'll make the sun stand still. He did it before. Amen. I'll make the sun stand still. I'll, I'll bring out utter darkness. He done it before. He said, if you want a sign from above or a sign from below, you ask the sign. I'll give you the sign. I will show you these things are true. 
But Ahaz said, in verse number 12, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. He sounds all spiritual. I, I don't want to make the Lord upset. I'll not ask for a sign. I'd rather just be in ignorance. I don't want to ask what the reality was from studying Second Kings, or First Kings, that he had already made a league with Assyria, and he was counting on them to come through. I don't need God. I can handle this myself. So he had a choice, and there was a sign that was given. God desired to prove himself, but Ahaz refused to consider these things. He was going to figure a way to get out of this. And this brought great sorrow to the Lord. Verse number 13. And he said, Hear ye now, house of David. And by the way, he changes from talking just to Ahaz to the entire house of David. To all the family, to all the royalty, to all, look at me, the line of David. The line of the Messiah. Is it a small thing for you to weary men? What you've done with all your idolatry and stuff and how you've destroyed and hurting the people, that's nothing compared to this. Will you weary my God also? How can you say no to God? All these things he wants to do and Ahaz just threw his arms up. God was wanting to be merciful to him. But Ahaz didn't want any part of it. Now let's go back and re-preach the sermon one more time. Stay with me. Why would God record this in the scripture? Well, number one, a great dread. Let's talk about us. There is an enemy that is against us. That enemy can be classified as the devil, the philosophy and the ways of the world, and our own flesh. Those three things are in opposition to God. Those three things, the devil hates God. The devil wants nothing to do with God. The devil just wants to get all the glory. He wants God to be cast down, and his ultimate goal would be to sit on the throne, which will never happen. Amen. But that's what he desires. See, there's an enemy. And the opposition here, the enemy, the devil, he's against you. He, he, he hates God, and therefore he hates God's children. And therefore, the greatest way that God can get glory, God can get glory many ways. I hope we've glorified Him in our singing today. I hope we've glorified Him in our giving today. I hope we've glorified Him in our attitude today. But the greatest thing that brings glory to God is when a lost sinner says, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe Jesus died for my sins, and I choose to believe in Jesus Christ as my Savior. That brings glory to God like nothing else. So the devil doesn't want people to get saved. He fights this. He's the enemy. And the enemy is there. The opposition is there. And the end, what, where, where the devil, where all he, Jesus came that he might give us life. And life more abundantly. Amen? The devil desires death. This world and the ways of the world, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, 
The wages of sin is death. That's where it ends. Our own flesh is at opposition with God. Our flesh doesn't want to do right. We're all geared that way because that's what our flesh, our flesh only loves one thing, us. I mean, myself. That's what our flesh does. And our flesh doesn't want to surrender to God. Our flesh is lifted up with pride. But the way a carnal life ends in destruction every time. You see, the opposition, this great dread was bringing death. But remember the story? The enemy had not overcome yet. There was an opportunity. For whatever reason, Ahaz was still there. Humanly speaking, he shouldn't have been there. Humanly speaking, these other armies should have came through and just ran over Jerusalem. But they're still there. Why were they still there? Because God is merciful. Because God wanted to give them an opportunity. You and I, we deserve death. But boy, hasn't God been merciful to us. God gives us time and time and time again. This world deserves the judgment of God. This country deserves the judgment of God. Every believer in this country ought to be praying for God's forgiveness for the United States of America. For the death of innocent lives and the murder and the carnality and the wickedness that goes on in this world. The hatred that is there. This world, this country deserves the judgment of God. Why hasn't it been judged yet? God's mercy. There's no reason why the Lord could not have come back already. As it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it also be when the Lord returns. There's nothing holding that back. He could come back today. Why hasn't He come back? Because there's more souls that can be won. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, let me tell you one of the reasons why we're still able to preach because He loves you. And He wants you to be saved. For whatever reason, God had held back the enemy because He's giving them a chance. And I believe we live in that day. I believe only the hand of God is holding back the judgment and the wrath of God. And it's the mercy of God. There's this great dread with an opposition, but an opportunity. But the longer man rejects that, there's an oppression. As the trees with the wind. Look around you, friends. This world's becoming more miserable. More frightening. So much hatred and death fear and anger and violence the whole world the whole world is coming to a place of fear you watch the news you listen to it you see all the wickedness that's going on you say why is it why is it becoming such a dark place a dark world because that's what happens when sin reigns there's a great dread. Well, let's keep it focused again on us today. There is a great desire. What is God's great desire for us in 2022? Be still. 
He wants us to stop. We live in such a busy world. I mean, we're just constantly going, constantly doing things, constantly distracted, and very few take the time to sit and think. And God wants us to stop, if anything, this morning. Put every other thought aside. Be still. And listen. The Lord loves you. The Lord has a great life for you. I live in a very dark world just like you do, but I'm thankful that my life, even in the midst of a dark world, is still a great life. Because the family, the love, the home, the church, all that God has given me, I rejoice today. I look and I see my family in church. I, I, I look at my loved ones. I, I look at my church family. I, I see, you know, uh, loved ones that are, are here and visitors. The marshals here, I love them. Their church planner is going to be presenting their ministry to us in a week, right? Praise God for that. That's awesome, right? You know, th- these are my friends. These are my loved ones. And it's a dark world, but I'm happy. I'm rejoicing because God is good. And we have this, that's what God wants to do is be still and to listen and to lean on Him and to learn these things that there's no greater life than a life serving the Lord. He wants us to be still and He wants us to consider a son. Not Sheer Jashub, but the one that's presented to us as he gets all the house of David's attention. And he says there in verse number 14, therefore the Lord himself, you didn't ask, you didn't ask for a sign, but God says, I'm going to give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. One day, Watch for this sign, Jerusalem. Watch for this sign, Judah. Amen. A remnant will remain. Destruction's going to come. And it did. In 586 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar destroyed and burnt down the city of Jerusalem. Left it in ruins. But a remnant would return. Sheer Jashub. And house of David... Remember this sign. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That's what this season's all about. Amen. That God fulfilled that sign. And hope was brought back to a desolate world because Emmanuel, God with us. So the question is this. Will you surrender? Ahaz was trying to figure out how to handle himself up by the pool in the water. Maybe I can fix this. Maybe I can change this. Maybe I can save us. No. We have to come to an end of ourselves and say, I can't. But God, you can. When it came to my soul at 14 years old, I realized I can't. But I knew God could. And I asked the Lord to forgive me and save me. And that day he saved my soul. Praise the Lord for that. 
Matter of fact, if you're saved today, you had to come to a point where you realize it's not the works that I do. Being baptized in a baptismal tank, that doesn't save me. Sitting in church doesn't save me. Turning over a new leaf doesn't save me. Trying to live a good life. Putting money in an offering plate. The Bible makes it very clear it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. Titus chapter 3. But according to his mercy, he saved us. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm going to heaven not because of who I am, not because of what I've done, not because of what I do. I'm going to heaven for one reason today that I said I can't. But I believe Jesus did it all. And I trusted in Jesus Christ and he saved me that day. That's his desires that you'll do the same. So you have a great decision to make. What will you do with Jesus, which is called the Christ? A sign was given. A virgin did conceive. A virgin did bring forth a child. His name is Emmanuel. God with us. His name is Jesus. He is salvation. He is the Christ. He is the promised one. He is Lord. He's king of the world. King of the universe. He's everything. You either leave today saying, I believe this. And as the promise to Ahaz, if you'll believe this, you shall be established. All will be settled. You can leave today. No, I'm going to heaven. Praise God. Or, if you do not believe, you'll not be established. In other words, you have nothing to stand on. You're still headed towards destruction. God is merciful, though. He's held back the enemy. He sent you the message. He gave you a sign. Will you believe? I hope you've chosen to.